eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. I can hear it as loud as a uh, Jew's okay. bell. Well, that's not that's not appropriate. <laughs> Jews don't even use bells. That's like, I don't know what Jews use. Well, the Irish use the bell. What Irish use a bell? I don't know. They put them in their little loafers. You've lost your mind. All right, all right. Irish Irish don't use bells because they got to fucking sneak their way to the liquor cabinet when their mothers fall asleep. <laughs> That's perfect. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. That's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel. Uh, with us, as always, all the way from Toronto, Canada. Calaxar, do you notice when we when we pull the semen from the black man that it is whiter than normal? <laughs> hmm, is it because of the, the black skin and then the white semen? So... How dare you be racist? <laughs> okay. How dare you? I'm Bonnie Hill and my semen is white as any other man on this planet. White as a Chinese. White as a Native American. Well, actually, you know what? Now that I look at it, it's pretty white. <laughs> That's good. That's healthy. It's better than a than a yellowy sort of uh, you know stucco type color. There's just so much of it. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do with this amount of it, Glaxar? I don't know. I say we put on what these humans call a birthday cake. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds excited. Uh, Betty and Barty Hill, we're on episode part two. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Where are we right now in this story, Marcus? Uh, well, right now we're at November 23rd, 1962. We're just Ooh. a couple of uh, couple of months after the event. They're still very disturbed by it. So they go and attend a meeting at their church where the yes, inviter... Because you can imagine this too. So Betty and Barney Hill have both been like, they've been trying not to talk about this, but Betty just won't shut her ever-loving mouth about it. And well, Barney is up to his fucking eyeballs <laughs> with this kind of short storytelling. Because when it comes down to it, it's like sometimes things that happen within a couple should be private. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But this is a pretty fun event if you did get abducted by an alien with you and uh, with your... Uh, you know how girls always are like, let's solidify our relationship by telling all of our friends about it. <laughs> but in this situation, <laughs> the thing that sort of made the relationship bond involved an alien encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if only there was a Facebook button that could share that. Yes, because it's like right. today, Betty and Barney were both raped in a UFO. <laughs> in a UFO, um, you say? A UFO. And before they started uh, doing their hypnotherapy, basically, so NICAP... 
at this time, so we had already said that they had written a letter to NICAP and basically told them flat out, we saw this UFO. They were very interested when they found out that they had two fins coming on either side of the craft, so they took it very seriously. Um, so they sent two investigators, and one little thing I wanted to talk about before they went to the hypnotherapy section of their story is that these investigators showed up and what's really kind of fun is that this was like old school 1960s like you know black frame like scientists with slick back hair who were like we must address the alien problem and so it's like they were like really serious about it mm -hmm. yeah back when scientists really took care of themselves they would put goop in their hair nice gels and things like that they all looked like rockabilly stars <laughs> yeah now all scientists smell like guys that, that, that play bongos for jam bands oh they're <laughs> disgusting and there's too much skin on their face you gotta get rid of the get, get rid of the dead follicle <laughs> Pull it back. Just a little bit back. Yep. Um, so when they showed up to basically question them about the, the UFO experience, a couple of questions they asked were really interesting. Like one was, did you have any nitrates in the car? Which mm. is a thing that I guess apparently in the 1950s up into the 1960s, beginning UFO sightings happened around like either it, uh, oftentimes like large natural sources of like nitrates and also like factories and shit like that that had nitrates in them. Nitrates? Which is very interesting. Nitrates uh, use a lot in fertilizers. So it's like what's poisoning our youth and why they all have like Alzheimer's at the age of like 11? That's it's also what oh, It's okay. also what makes hot dogs pink. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I love a good pink hot dog. <laughs> um, and basically it turns out that, I mean, the one thing that Barney Hill did is they had a, they did have a sack of fertilizer in their trunk. Um, which is, you know, I always go on vacation with a big bag of shit. <laughs> right, right. You got to. Um, and he also said there was nitrate in the gun that he had because he had a sh fucking gun with him for some reason. I think just to make Betty, like, wet. <laughs> um, and another thing that they asked them when they sat down with them was, was, why did you go on the trip? Which is very interesting because he came, Barney came back with the answer of, like, the what was really weird is that it was incredibly impulsive. Uh, he was like, this is how impulsive it was. The only money we had was in our pockets. Saturday, the banks were closed, so we couldn't even cash a check. Oh I think God. the amount between the two of us was less than $70. So the questions they asked were interesting, mainly because we'd never thought of along those lines. They provoked a lot of thought in both of us, mentioned in the remote possibilities of life existing on planets evolved with Alpha Centauri or Tau Ceti, which is where the conversation got particularly nerdy. Mm -hmm. Right, which was, right. <laughs> which was news to me. That's that's the point in the date normally for me when she leaves, when she mm -hmm. when she glosses over. Yeah. Right. Um, Betty, uh, so this was the greatest date ever? They had $70 <laughs> in 1962 currency. That's quite a bit of cash. What are you saying, 300 bucks? Something day? like that. But on the other hand, it's 300 bucks to go to Niagara Falls and back. And Toronto. Yeah. All right. Fine. <laughs> and so, like, so it's really interesting here. So he finishes this. Um, the questions were so far out that I just couldn't see what relationship they had to our experience. In this business of nitrates, at that time, I had all kinds of plants in the house. In fact, in the living room, I had an avocado tree that touched the ceiling. They walk around, took my plants over, ask me what kind of fertilizer you're using them, and things like this. Hmm. It's just kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing he had an avocado tree. That's yeah. incredible. Quite it takes a lot of maintenance. Yeah, a lot of maintenance. Good guacamole. So on November 23rd, 1962, the Hills go to a meeting at their church where the invited guest speaker, a one Captain Ben H. Sweat. I'm yeah. going to make you sweat. Yeah. You <laughs> stand up at the church and just lift it up. He's just like, you know, I just, guys, I just I feel like I uh, want to uh, praise Jesus. And they're mm -hmm. like, amen, amen. 
before Is Richard. Up, I just want everybody to you know that's like saying his name high up to the rooftops. The only way I can do that is by getting this dick hard. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he had uh, recently published a book of his poetry. Mm. So he read selections from his poetry book at church, Unitarian Church, by the way. Okay. And the pastor then asked him to discuss his personal interest in hypnosis, which the Hills were very interested in because somebody had uh, suggested to them that, you know, okay, you've got all this missing time. You're really, uh, you've got a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. Maybe you should look into hypnosis. So Betty Hill saw this as somewhat of a serendipitous event. So after the meeting broke up, she went Especially when he, after reading about 15 poems about planes. (laughs) Yeah, what is Captain Sweat's book of poetry all about? What What is the man... Uh, disgusting in these wonderful works. Planes are blue. Planes are red. Mm. Planes can often be your bed if you're sleeping in one. Right. Planes. <laughs> if it crashes, you're dead. It's brilliant. And they all stuff. lightly applaud. Yes. <laughs> I love Captain Sweat's book of poetry. <laughs> so, so uh, after the meeting broke up, the Hills privately approached Captain Sweat, told him what they could remember about the abduction, uh, and he was very particularly interested in the missing time. So the Hills asked Sweat if he would hypnotize them to recover their memories, but Sweat said, wait, wait, wait. I'm just an amateur hypnotist. Because oh. the problem is that normally the way he would hypnotize someone was doing those, like, body waves. Like, when you make your belly, like... Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I do, yeah. I can picture sort of a Billy Blanks-looking individual here. <laughs> really buff. <laughs> so he should have just read him some... He should have just read him some of the uh, some of his poetry. That would have done a good job. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, they- yeah, Captain Sweat's gonna hypnotize you mm. when I'm pounding that clit with my mouth penis. Ah, <laughs> uh, my mouth penis. I love that. Your two front teeth. So it's quite a long time before they actually talk about this publicly and before they actually go for the hypnotherapy. It's between November uh, of 1962 and March of 1963. Mm. March of 1963, they first publicly discuss the UFO encounter with a group at their Unitarian church. Because apparently, I mean, right. Unitarian, they're very open. Uh, they're down for all kind of walks of life. Right. So I guess they figure those are the right people to talk to about it. I uh, imagine that was like the only interesting service that happened the entire year. Oh, absolutely. Although Unitarian churches, yeah, like Marcus was saying, they they have a whole, they'll have uh, Muslim uh, speakers and Hindu speakers and things like that. Yeah, so, and yeah. I don't agree with it. Well, you know. I can't have the mixing. I know, it's very, con- yeah, it's very confusing. So in 1963, Barney starts to develop uh, a physically debilitating condition. His anxiety and the sorts of things that are, uh, the sorts of anxiety and the sorts of repressed memories are starting to creep into his actual day-to-day life so much that he had to take a three-month leave of ab- absence from his job at the post office. Right. This guy's a total fucking mess. Yeah. He is He's got an apart. ulcer pulsing through his body that he mm-hmm. can't control. Um, the genital warts that he has right. are just pulsating with, with, with fire. Yeah, yeah. He, he sort of reminds me of the uh, downfall of uh, Bill Murray's hair in the movie Kingpin. Uh, <laughs> it just gets crazier and crazier. So, yeah, he's got, he's got the STD, and now he has anxiety, and he is just riddled with uh, a whole series of other problems. Yeah, and also, you imagine him delivering the mail right now. to him like, God damn. Oh, my God. God. You, know, you want to see only how big is a package of put in your tiny mail. My God, my, God, my, God, my, God, my crotch, my, my groin. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> Mommy, why is the mailman scratching himself? <laughs> He's a mailman. That's what mailmen do. <laughs> So to tr- traditional uh, medical treatment, uh, all kinds of psychotherapy, they try all this stuff, all of the traditional methods. There's no improvement at his health. So uh, Barney, they remember Captain Sweat, and so they request a referral from their psychiatrist uh, to another psychiatrist who specialized in hypnotherapy. Uh, this guy, Dr. Benjamin Simon, his expertise Ooh. was in deep trance hypnotist. And it is important to note that Dr. Simon had almost no knowledge whatsoever of UFO phenomena. Okay. The only really knowledge that he has, 1963, right. it's going, people are talking about it. It's, it's in the newspapers. Roswell was kind of a thing. Uh, it's in pop culture, uh, without a doubt. There's stuff like Outer Limits on TV right. uh, where they do alien stories and stuff like that. But this guy had no vested interest in it at yeah. all. He, and according this, to the interrupted journey, he specifically said he wanted to disprove the UFO side of it. He thought the whole thing was going to be just about anxiety and that the whole thing, that every image that, that Barney had came from Betty's dreams. Right. And space was very in vogue at this point as well, because obviously with the space race going on with the Russians, this was, uh, people think that we get smarter through time. I would argue that people in the 50s and 60s had a much more of an explorer, uh, you know, mode in their mind going on at all times. They were looking at the sky and they wanted to get to that moon. Yeah, man. In the we, 1950s, too, it's like right after the, the, basically, this is like the atomic age. Like, this right. is the time where America is at its height of, like, optimism. Uh, people really have, like, a can-do attitude. This is right before fucking things got really groovy. Mm-hmm. So people were like, this is when the bras are, started getting loose. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, the, oh, man, that's the time to have been around. Yep, all the yeah. dogs in Russia were lining up to be the next astronaut. <laughs> We do it Charles not because Manson it's was easy. learning his second song on a, on the guitar right now, <laughs> hanging out with an old blues man in prison. Uh, so after the I first, I got there with them aliens, man. Oh, that's man. the problem, man. That's got to be on that trip, man. I got to be on a galaxy trip. I hear these aliens got three pussies, man. Yeah, Charlie, do you believe this story about the hill, the hill you family? Got to, you got to believe when the black is on the white that they see the gray. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good point, Charlie. Thank you. <laughs> so after the first couple of interviews, uh, Dr. Simon, he his uh, preliminary diagnosis was just anxiety syndrome. Cuckoo bananas. Cuckoo bananas. I believe I'm going to put here that they are cuckoo. They are cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so his next step, finding out exactly what those methods were. So the method of treatment that he used was regressive hypnosis, which meant that to get to the source of their problem, whatever it may have been, he had to go into a deep, deep, deep trance. Okay. Uh, and to make these people, well, like, essentially what hypnosis is, like, like what this type of hypnosis is, is you're trying to make people like you want to trick people into being hypnotized. Right. Like what Barney Hill said about the hypnot uh, the hypnotherapy sessions is that he said that he would be going into a trance mm-hmm. and then he would come out and say like, "Hey, man, I told you you weren't you weren't going to be able to hypnotize me." The guy's like, "No, you've been under for two hours now." Right. Right. Well, I mean, you know, we were talking about the Unitarian Church. I went to an Evangelical church, and it's a very similar method they do when the priest go or the pastor. Goes and touches.
unconscious people and they're supposed to fall over. Mm-hmm. I did that when I was 10 years old, and I fell back because you're supposed to. And then I looked up a girl's skirt. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, that's a true that story. That is great. So that was kind you're, of fun. Like, I think that's why that, that practice started. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but I like how Barney even described the process. I thought it was really interesting, um, the way he actually was hypnotized. Right. Dr. Simon began talking to me, telling me that I was relaxing. And he had me clasp my hands together. And they, that they would be very tight, tight, very tight. <laughs> but I couldn't open them no matter how hard I tried. And I was standing there feeling very, very foolish because I thought if this is hypnosis, there's, there's nothing to it. I'm right. just humoring the man. I don't want to hurt his feelings. I think he stopped and placed his hands over my eyes so that they would close. I said to myself that I wasn't really hypnotized. When he told me that I couldn't pull my hands apart, I knew that all I had to do was open my fingers, and I could do it. But I just didn't feel like opening my fingers. I didn't even feel I was asleep, and then I was aware that I was waking me up and asking me how I felt. And I felt very, very good, very calm and comfortable, like I had smoked a like a Gandalf stick or something. Some <laughs> sweet, icky, sticky, some wowy Molly. Right. Uh, you know, and I no longer then had any fear of hypnosis. So it was possible the doctor just drugged him like Bill Cosby drugged all of his victims. <laughs> and it's very I also sad. feel I'm being good with the Barney voice. I think I you're think being so, great with yeah. the Barney, Barney voice. Very much so. Very tasteful. Yeah. I have to say, I'm proud of you, Henry. <laughs> it's the most respectful voice you have so far. Uh, so that's fairly good. <laughs> what am I good. supposed to do with it? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the important thing to remember about hypnosis uh, is that what hypnosis is trying to get to is what that person believes to be the truth. Right. Now, whether that is the objective truth or not, this is the truth that Betty and Barney Hill believe to be so. Right. Which and I- as we go into more of the psychic side of the alien phenomena, we start to realize that that is the only thing that matters. Like, objective truth is going to be almost impossible to do unless we can get a gray in between, like, China's legs. You know what I mean? Like, if we could get China up there to just sort of, like, pussy flex an alien out of a fucking UFO and bring it to the fucking front lawn of the White House, then we're, we'll be great. Are you talking about the pro wrestler, ex-pro wrestler China? Mm-hmm. Yes. I gave a porn <laughs> award to her one day. I, I loved, I met her. Yeah, I was, I was there. You were there, yeah. Marcus. Yeah, you yeah, remember. Yeah. That's where I got my flashlight. That's right, and you oh, use it that, far that too often. That glorious day. Oh, when is the <laughs> anniversary of you and your flashlights? Oh, my it just God. passed. It was in February. What did you get it? <laughs> Lube. Oh, that's, well, it's really the only thing it needs. Needs, wants, and yeah. Marcus, I'm hungry. No. Why don't you get me some of my favorite soup? And when you get that soup, how about you give it to me with my favorite spoon? <laughs> of course. It's Campbell's chicken noodle soup and served with your dick. That's nice. So back to Dr. Simon. Let's get back okay, to Dr. Good, Simon. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So what he did at the end of every session is he induced amnesia for two reasons. One, to protect the hills from remembering the specific trauma of these memories, and two, more importantly, to prevent the Hills from discussing these memories when they were outside of regressive hypnosis, so okay. they wouldn't be able to collaborate their stories, and right. so one story wouldn't be tainted by the next. This process took about six months. Uh, it was a very right. long process, hours and hours and hours of tapes, uh, and he came upon the opinion that the Hills probably had been abducted, or at the very least was the of the opinion that they believed that they had been abducted. 
Right, right. And this is all, what is hypnotherapy as far as, what is the actual strategy being used? Is it just the power of, uh, of um, you know, just asking somebody to do something? But it's, it's sort of like what persuasion? happens with aliens. Alien, um, um, it's sort of like what happens with animals. Uh, animals can go into trances all the time. Like, you can basically, that's kind of what training a dog is. Or, like, when you do a thing, there's something with chickens where you put a blanket on a chicken. I don't think that's a blanket on a... Go to sleep. Oh, come on. Well, you just want to make it cozy and tuck it in at night. Yeah, you can give you you give any animal a pillow, it'll fall asleep. But you can do this something, you can do something with, like, pigs or something, where you, like, stick your finger in its ear or something, and it gets all wackety-wacky. <laughs> <laughs> But you can, a lot of animals have trance states. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we're just one of them. And the way you do it is essentially like meditation. Meditation is is, is both a mental and a physical exercise. Right. So you can induce a trance-like state, which is actually a physical state. And obviously, Barney, he wanted to be hypnotized at the same time, too, right? He's like, you won't be able to hypnotize me, but he, he was in for the process. Yeah, but That's yeah, what yeah. they say. Right. Yeah, that's what they say. So let's get now. Let's get to the missing time. Like, this is what, this isn't, we went through the first episode. We went through what Betty Hill's dreams were. Uh, now, remember, his missing time started when, Barney's missing time started when he saw the eye, the leader of the ship went back into the car, ran away from the hovering craft, mm -hmm. and they drove. And all of a sudden, it was 35 miles later. We have the two beeping noises. Where they heard a beeping noises and then one set of beeping noises and then another set of beeping noises and all of a sudden they were two hours outside of their home. So he, uh, Barney recalled driving the car away from the UFO. This is after the binocular strap broke. Uh, this is after he had looked at him. This is right before uh, the uh, missing time happened. And he said that he's driving down the road and he said he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods, which is consistent with Ben. Uh, Betty's dream uh, of th seeing the roadblock, of seeing, you know, being diverted off. Right. Uh, and we've got uh, some, some footage of that, Ooh. and we're going to play. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker, and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. You're going to get a kiss in there. That's mystery, danger, and romance as you search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. Watch out for those sidewalks. They are covered in urine. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Oh, how I love the 1920s. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home. 
on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, and how best to take care of your plants. I love Fast Growing Trees because I just moved here to Los Angeles. I got a yard now, and I'm doing all the landscaping myself. I love working in my garden. I love planting stuff. I love growing stuff. And the cool thing about fast growing trees that I really like is that they tell you exactly what type of growing zone you're in. I'm in growing zone 10 and they can tell you exactly what type of trees or plants or whatever you can put out in front of your house. Uh, I'm looking at the Norfolk Island pine tree. I'm looking at putting a little bit of red sister cordyline up in front of my fence. I think that the red will really pop nice. And maybe for the backyard, I got an extra planter that I might put a Satsuma plum tree in. And these prices are reasonable. They're reasonable if you've ever been to a nursery. But right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. It's sports. Prize picks. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor, oh, it's eaten up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Yeah! Toss that rock! Come on, guys! Yeah, pass it around! Get on the excitement with Price Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious caps. Whether it's hula hoops or earring hoops, you're going to know everything you need to know about sports. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Price Picks with little as Four correct picks. Conference tournaments are here, which means the biggest moments in college basketball are getting closer. Basketball. Price Books even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. I sure wish that Bobby Bonilla was still in the game because I would pick him to go all the way. Can you imagine Bobby Bonilla play basketball? Woo-wee, dog. Then... It would be more like baseball, but Bobby Bonilla would still be crushing it in the contract game. Woo! The deadliest game of all. Download the app today and use code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Oh, and by the way, this is from Kathleen Martin and Stanton Friedman. This is from their PowerPoint presentation. This is about an hour, eight minutes in, which... I would say this is my fifth glass of scotch in. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. this documentary. All right, let's go. And then he, he stopped 
separated, they came up in two groups. And when they started to do that, I, I got real scared. And the, the, the cow mother died, the cast off, and, and when they started coming up, Bonnie tried to start the car. He tried to start it, and you know how a motor of a cow would just turn over, turn over, and won't fire? that sound like a trip to the grocery store to you? <laughs> a trip to the grocery store? Oh, that had such a hard on about the fact that, because that's a part of what they right. were saying is that she, um, that when Betty was talking about this during her hypnotic regression, that they were, they, they were like, oh, she didn't really experience it because she was talking about it like it was a trip to the grocery store. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I just want to, if I was with Betty, I just want to be like, so Betty, is the date going well? What's happening? <laughs> I love the story. The way that she was contemplating and uh, choosing her words so carefully, it reminded me of myself at a Taco Bell. You know, it, it's very important what comes out of your mouth, and you really want people to get the point. Because you're also, you're bleary-eyed hammered. Right. Um, yeah. You are trying to sound Spanish a little bit. So mm. You're like, mm, excuse me, can I have a chulupa? <laughs> um, would I... Perchance fancy a gordita. And I got to tell you, I would fancy a gordita right now. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and then I walk out with a bag just full of hot sauce packets, and I'm like, I think it went well. <laughs> so Barney, super anxious at this point. They're still outside of the car. They haven't gone on to uh, the actual UFO yet. He said that the leader asked him to close his eyes, and when asked how the experience felt, like, this is fucking terrifying, uh, Barney said, I felt like the eyes pushed into my eyes. Oh, those eyes. They're, they're in my brain. Those eyes. <laughs> These eyes have seen a lot of love, but they're never gonna see another love like I had with you. And now, here's also what's really interesting, because originally when they described these aliens, when Betty originally described these aliens, she said that they were, like we said before, gray-skinned, purple lips, large noses, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like little Jimmy Durannies. Exactly. But now, we, which our younger audience will have no clue. Google Jimmy Durante. <laughs> You'll Google love Jimmy him. Jimmy Durante back when it, Damon was something special when Entertainment wasn't done by beautiful women with big tits. It used yeah. to be done by ugly guys. The Italians used to have power. It's <laughs> <laughs> weird uh, anybody would give those meatball addicts any sort of power. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Crazy um, America, huh? So the the discrepancy. So when she in her dream she saw this entity, uh, but now when you in the regression you're going to see that they both are going to describe these creatures as bald headed alien beings about five foot tall with grayish skin, pear shaped heads, and slanting cat like eyes, which is the very first mention ever 
of like basically of a description of a gray. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really interesting was I was reading another book called Revelations by Jacques Vallée, my yeah. favorite French biologist. <laughs> um, this is a bit of a rabbit hole here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we we can't really. Get, I'm only touching the surface of. All right, this is just the very beginning of my hotel existence. Right. Yeah, I know. That I, I got into this. Yeah, we gotta <laughs> we gotta get you back in a house. I, I, I do feel like that would be kind of uh, a yeah. good but thing for you. But my research is finally getting to its apex. <laughs> okay. Um, there was supposed to be in the 1974. There was supposed to be a documentary made uh, b- with conjunction to uh, Project Blue Book and our U.S. government by two producers named Robert Emenegger. Excuse me, Emenegger. <laughs> okay. It's a, like like Swartz. It's as racist as Schwarzenegger. You were doing so well uh, <laughs> on this episode, and then um, yeah, <laughs> and Alan Sandler. Uh, okay. And basically, they were talking with a guy named Colonel Willie Coleman, who said uh, they had this, uh, and they had this footage of an alien landing. And what they wanted to do was do full disclosure. And when the government had come out and say, "Hey, uh, we we are working on the alien problem. We've met a couple, mm-hmm. uh, and we want everybody to know it that we're handling it." And there was a man named Paul Shardle. <laughs> this is a terrible name. Shardle. Shardle. Okay. Shardle is Shardle is the tiny smear of shit. Yeah, I shardled my pants. Oh. Um, and he said that I have he had this footage. Basically, they were going to release to these two producers of a craft landing at Holloman Air Force Base and the shaft opening up and two guys coming out of it that are gray skin, purple lip, big noses. Uh, they basically go with the general to a commissary. And have fucking lunch with each other, and it's all videotaped. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be like 800 feet of tape, uh, and they got it apparently. And they were supposed to give it to these producers to make this big tell-all like alien documentary. Uh, and then um, I, for some reason, it didn't go through. So, <laughs> aliens are very interested in fertilizer and military lunch. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I think they need it's to the, the ration lunches. Oh, I see. I just found something. It's just one of those. I mean, like, yes, I was stoned when I was reading all about right. all of this. Mm. But I also feel that the coincidence is pretty interesting that that same description of alien is used uh, in this one book from a technically a military source and then also from Betty Hill's imagination. Right. It's very, and I wonder, I, that to me, again, leads to the idea of an objective truth is impossible to find with aliens because right. of the psychic nature of the phenomenon well no i i agree completely we all put our own uh when we see something we all make sense of the things that don't make sense in our own way while they may be similar they're probably not when i see a gray it's probably not going to look exactly like uh what ben sees when he sees a gray no when i see a gray i see a future wife and you just see a piece of thing that you want to throw away a piece of trash marcus treat grays with some respect i'm looking for love (laughs) (laughs) what makes you a colonel willie Coleman, I bought the pins. I just feel like there's a lot of people just like going to military thrift stores and then uh, entering uh, a common man and coming out a colonel. I think that's going to be a, a new little hobby of mine in Toronto. Where I'm going to go on Craigslist and start be- putting out like things, just being like, "You want to know the truth about aliens? Like, meet me, meet me at this coffee shop, and I'll just go right. to the coffee shop dressed full like fucking Beatles from like w- w- what's it uh, the." 
um, Sergeant Peppers. It's like Sergeant Peppers. <laughs> like full Sergeant Peppers, like Royal Canadian Guard with yeah. a big Mountie hat on. I'm glad Henry. that you could come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you could just just start dressing like you're a part of the military, that would make me so happy. And just scream about aliens on the street. You'd make General Stockdale look totally sane. Before I can tell you the truth about aliens, I'm going to need to make this official by playing O Canada on the kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing you play oh canada in this right. place everybody's pants fucking drop so how's filming heroes going <laughs> it's going great oh. okay so the hills are taken onto the craft at this point they're actually being taken they uh, get taken up a ramp and they're taken into separate rooms to be given medical examinations uh both of them involved uh they involved both physical and mental procedures uh they tested skin hair and nail samples betty they both got a bit they both got some very invasive shit done and then betty had this long needle inserted into her navel right. and she was told that it was a pregnancy test so let's Listen right now to Betty's own words as to what that experience was. So then they roll me over on my back. And the examiner has a long needle in his hand. And I see the needle. And it, it's, it's bigger than any needle I've ever seen. And he, I asked him what he's going to do with it. And he said, just a simple test of alternative. And I asked him what. And he said, he just wants to put it in my table. And it's just a simple test. And I don't know it won't hurt, I don't do it, don't do it. And even though I won't do it, and he takes a name to my nail, and it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm crying, and I tell him it's hurting, it's hurting, it's hurting, it's hurting, it's hurting, it's hurting, he goes over and he puts his hand, runs his hand in front of my eyes. And he says, I'll be all right. I won't feel it. And all the pain goes away. Just a simple walk in the supermarket. You can <laughs> <laughs> are you this is a session in which... <laughs> oh, Stanton, just ruining every part. They are crushing that supermarket bit, though. Does that sound like a typical trip to the supermarket to you, no. Marcus? And by the way, those two clips are about 30 minutes apart. So that means from like hour 8 to hour 25, they just keep making references to the supermarket yeah. after every single testimony. Oh, I now, love I've it. Been to a supermarket, but I normally get eggs. I don't normally get raped. Yeah, my navel. Am I right, everyone? Yeah, my navel isn't usually penetrated by a needle. They just wanted to make, you know, they're just trying to do some crochet or something. And also, it. I imagine this was like a pregnancy test. I mean, in, in a way that it's just like really just testing the pregnancy. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Where you just see how strong you are pregnant. 
by sticking yeah. a needle in there and trying to swish it around see if you can kill the baby. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. If it was a pregnancy test, like the, what would you? Yep, that's a baby. <laughs> oh, we just killed it. Or it looks like it's about at a medium rare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're testing it, testing it like a bizarre turkey or something. It's like when you stick a a, a fork in a cake to see if it sticks. Hmm. Don't get me started. So Barney, he definitely got a raw deal as well. Uh, he didn't get a pregnancy test. He got uh, a semen specimen taken from him. Uh, and they did they milk it right, though? If you milk it right, they, it's not so bad. They placed a cup-like device that was placed over his genitals. Uh, he said that he had no orgasm. Well, this is the thing. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, this is uh, this is my new theory. I think Barney, love and love Barney. I think yeah. he's a very serious man. Definitely. I think he's just like, he just kind of glossed over it. I think he was just like, no, nah, I'm, uh, you know, I would say I experienced an orgasm, but I, I, I do believe that there was a, a sperm sample taken. We're cut to reality, him going like, having like fucking body shaking orgasms with aliens, aliens having to pin him down to the table while he's going like, I'm shooting, I'm shooting, I'm shooting. Some poor alien kid's got to go try to catch it. One of the one of the aliens who's in over the alien space. One of the dudes who's in alien jail has to scrape it off the walls afterwards. Absolutely, and he's just like, how about we get the smaller, lighter alien to bend over so I could get it in the small of his back? Wow. Well, usually we go down to Earth and we rape them, but. I think he raped us. <laughs> and in another thing that he probably glossed over, uh, he said that a thin tube was inserted into his anus, but quickly oh, no. removed. Uh-huh. <laughs> despite, <laughs> despite, it, despite his wishes of having it stay in. You think but, that's all I can handle? <laughs> you think that's all I can take? I'm a strong man. No, we didn't actually tell you to lie on your stomach. Uh, you can just turn around. No more butt stuff, huh? You're sure you're done? I can lie here all day. Give it to me again and tell me I can't do it. <laughs> he also said someone felt up his spine counting his vertebrae. Uh, Betty, she confirmed also in the hypnotherapy the whole uh, book thing where she was given a book and then right as she was about to leave, they took it away from her again. Right. Uh, here's an odd fact about the, hypnot- uh, the hypnotist. They both said that the aliens seem to have no conception of time or of colors. They didn't really go into what they meant by that, but yeah, they said they have no concept of time, no real conception of colors, which might explain why uh, when they tried to look human, if you want to go for that hypothesis that they are trying to look human rather than us trying to make them look human, why their skin is gray and their lips are purple. Right, right, right. Shit's just a little bit off. Yeah, it's like every elderly grandmother in the UK. It's just like their their hair's all purple and the makeup's all wrong. <laughs> you know, it's just like they're just kind of missing it. But they think they look gorgeous, and yeah. that's all that matters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, what Jacques Fillet puts forward is that the reason why these things exist, the reason why they have problems and or, or they have quote unquote problems with understanding quote unquote quote unquote time quote unquote. are you doing oh. air quotes by any chance oh, right yeah, now yeah, okay it, it's just going a million miles a second <laughs> okay. over there we have a lot of quotes click, 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 click 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 good um the reason why they do this and they they this is a central a part of many abduction scenarios is stuff like 
when he showed the map and they're like, where are you guys from? And the alien says to Betty, oh, you know, like, oh, where, are, where are you from? You tell me where you're from. If you can, you, like, why do you care? Blah, blah, blah. What they like to do is set up problems about the about perception of reality. And that is where the phenomena is important. They basically almost lie about not understanding time or understanding colors because the point is that their very existence is supposed to bring about questions of how we perceive time and colors and stuff like that. Oh, uh, right. So they're telling uh, us I lies. hope you're high uh, and, for that. Yeah, and by the way, uh, the whole time uh, Henry is holding a pen – and he is uh, mm -hmm. flailing it at the screen the entire time. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Betty reported a conversation with... The, oh, and by the way, the aliens were also very surprised that Barney's dentures could be removed. Ooh, my yeah. grandfather, my grandfather, my grandfather used to do that trick with me all the time when I was but a But it was kiddie. weird is that he had like a sets of like dozens and dozens of dentures, right? From mm. like all over the middle of Europe. No, this was my grandfather that was from America. And yeah. your father was in the NYPD. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know how big his gold collection was. Well, I don't know how big my grandfather's like, gold collection was. I have tiny pieces of gold, like well, tooth like tooth sized pieces mm, of gold. I think that so we weird. discussed off air curbing it. <laughs> With the, with the grandfather talk. I had another American grandfather who had dentures, and he took them out of his mouth, and I would laugh and laugh and laugh and put them in my mouth, but I already had teeth, so I had a lot of teeth. <laughs> so Betty reported that the leader, uh, that, that she understood English. Barney also said that he heard them speaking in a weird mumbling language that he didn't understand, but he also understood them in English. So mm. there was, they were kind of going back and forth between speaking to them in their language. Remember that weird kind of European accent uh, and a sort of like mumbling language, right. like a weird language, almost like they were trying to figure it out between each other. A full muddled, a, a muddling of the English language. Yeah, but yeah. even so, Barney also said uh, that when they communicated with him, uh, he said that there seemed to be, uh, quote, thought transference. Right. Uh, and he didn't really know. He had no idea what telepathy was at the time. Uh, so that was the only way that he could really explain it. Uh, and they said that both of them said that they never observed the beings mouths moving right. when they were speaking to them. They were communicated in communicating in English, but they weren't actually saying the words out loud. All I know thing is that's they interesting, too, is how he perceived the eyes. The eyes to him were always floating in front of him. Like while, like so, while they're kind of chipping away at the block he had about the missing time, like leading into the the interrupted journey is an incredibly long book. I read the whole thing. When they're leading up to the actual reveal of like him being on the craft, he's saying that during this whole time he kept getting stuck on eyes hovering in trees, sort of like they say about the owl symbolism, mm -hmm. like when they see stuff. And the way he put it is that what uh, brought ease eventually, because he started thinking and he was like, "What is that? What is? What are those eyes? What are the? What are those eyes? Oh, they're like the Cheshire Cat. Oh, he's just the Cheshire Cat." And started getting focused on this thing. It's very interesting. How he perceives how telepathy can do that, just kind of override your whole function of of perception. Right, that right. it all becomes gobbledygook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he just knew that they knew that he was thinking what he was thinking, and he knew that what they were thinking, even though no words were expressed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, and they both ex expressed that. Like that was both reported by them. Also, like when you go to Taco Bell. 
Yes, they know I'm in there to just buy half of the menu. And if it's a Pizza Hut uh, combo Taco Bell, throw in some breadsticks. <laughs> but put some cheese on them, but just charge me for the breadsticks. That's one of my funny jokes. <laughs> So as they left the craft, (laughs) the way they uh, explained, the way they uh, described the treatment that the aliens gave them is that they, the aliens treated uh, Betty and Barney how humans might treat experimental animals, like how we would treat a monkey in a cage. Still well, but also still with... uh, no emotion. Uh, so after they were released, they were given hypnotic suggestions so they would remember nothing of the experience, which is what supposedly uh, accounts for uh, the amnesia, which was broken by the counter hypnosis. Right. Uh, and I've got a quote here from Dr. Stanton Friedman, our man uh, from the video. Uh, he said apparently he was described uh, by one of the sources that I found as being, quote, a nuts and bolts man. Uh, he issued a statement that said, "By no stretch of the imagination could anyone who knows them conclude that they were nuts." That <laughs> <laughs> he was a nuts and bolts man, though. <laughs> so he's just a bolts guy. No nuts. No nuts to be found. Yes, you guys. Just your typical trip to the grocery store. I don't want to talk about my movie, but let's give a little bit of a talk about my movie. Yes, indeed. I I would love to hear about it. It's called Stanton Finds His Balls. (laughs) Wow, where were they? You know what's funny? They were between my pockets. (laughs) I can't believe it. Isn't that the place to keep them? (laughs) So Betty's account uh, was very similar. Uh, Her account during hypnotherapy was very similar to the events of her five dreams. There were notable differences, though. Uh, Details pertaining to the capture and the release were just a little bit different. The technology on the craft was also different. Uh, The short men had significantly different physical appearances, Mm -hmm. uh, Uh, than the ones in her dreams, Uh, the sequential order of the abduction. Uh, The five dreams that she had, she had to set them out in sequential order later. Like like the first dream was of the medical uh, examination, the second dream, the car abduction, and so on Like we talk about editing a movie. You don't shoot the first scene first. You you put it together at the end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So, yeah, she filled in a lot of details but contradicted some of her dream details, which points to uh, the possibility... uh, uh, that they are two distinctly separate things and right. uh, also somewhat refutes the skeptic's uh, s- assertion that these are just Betty's dreams, that Betty dreamt all this stuff right. uh, and, you know, she described it to Barney and they're just remembering those things. So if you look at it, her dreams are sort of like a game of telephone when it comes to her perception of reality. Yes. Eventually it's like your brain, because we don't even know what dreams are for. A lot of times we think that dreams are either, I mean, they say it's supposed to be like your brain is like organizing information and kind of dealing, and that's why symbols pop up Mm. because they're dealing with deep, deep set, weird, unconscious information all the time because of all the shit that we see but don't perceive or all the shit that we see but don't consciously remember that just end up in the fucking data bank. Um, So, yeah, of course there's going to be some discrepancies, but, you know, I'm no scientist. I have terrible (laughs) dreams. Yeah. I had a dream the other night. <laughs> this is true. I had a dream that I was eating like just a bunch of food all my, uh, all throughout my dream, and I woke up totally full. <laughs> so that's kind of a fun diet. Why don't you take that plane over to fucking Africa, Ben? 
and help those people. Well, see, now you've derailed again. <laughs> That's unbelievable, Henry. <laughs> Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses Filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothed, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse. Ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Since right here, what would you do if another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and you might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right, because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited-time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. So let's get to what? a lot of people point to as the most concrete evidence that something weird did actually happen here. We mentioned a little bit on the first episode, the star map. Henry, do you want to go into a little bit about what this star map is all about? No, so Benny was on the craft and was shown a star map, quote-unquote. They were like, well, we'll show you where you're from and what you do, and they didn't answer any questions. So they showed her a star map, which is essentially, it was a piece of paper, but it is sort of a three-dimensional quality to it, which is a fucking dope. Yeah. I wish I had that shit. I want that right. shit in my house. Mm. Um, and so you watched the view, and it had basically it had a bunch of d- different dots on it and lines on it. She said that they, she was told that the stars connected by solid lines, they formed trade routes, whereas dashed lines were to less traveled stars, to like, you know, less traveled stars, like a Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> oh, leave Steve alone. What's wrong with you? The Goots? He's I'm great, but... for you, Goots. <laughs> everyone's pulling for the Goots. He's less traveled, though. You he's gotta admit. Traveled. I don't know where he's been or what he's done. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, so she saw this star map. Uh, they, the, you know, the alien showed it to her. Basically, it seems like, in the way she put it too, and the aliens, when they spoke with her, the beings, when they spoke with her, they had sort of a, a bemused sense of humor about. They were like, "Oh yeah, let's show her the map." Right. Okay, let's see what he sees. We we'll see what happens when this dumb bitch takes a look at the map. And they go to look at. She goes to look at the map, and they're like, "What do you see?" Huh? And then they pants her again, eat her pussy for like an hour. Oh come on now! What, what test? Are, what test are they running with that one? <laughs> the patience test. Oh okay. Yes. Uh, so this this star map, uh, she during her post hypnotic regression, she was able to draw to reproduce the star map that it, they showed her. It was very crude, but it was still uh, a star map. And at the time, yeah. uh, they showed it to astronomers, and it was that they said, "Okay, this doesn't really match any of uh, the constellations that we know of." But about eight years after, when more powerful telescopes came into use, they were uh, they sent it back to some astronomers. And they say, like, okay, actually, this does match a certain star system out there. 
Ah. It matches the Zeta Reticuli star system, which we see again right. and again in uh, alien abduction reports, especially when uh, they come down and they tell people, okay, this is where we're from. You know, you, you, of course, you also talk about uh, in our past episodes, you can talk about like the 12 main races. I think we uh, discussed in our Pleiadians episode. Right. Uh, a lot of this is centered around Zeta Reticuli. Now, oh, which whether- is also really interesting. There was like basically an, in sort of early science history, there was this paper that presented evidence and deductive scientific reasoning that said apparently Nikolai Tesla, uh, another scientist named Todd, another scientist named Marconi, uh, did this UFO study, and they were basically observing laboratory data and related phenomena that suggested the possibility that they were monitoring interplanetary communications during the period of 1899 to 1924 on radio waves. Yeah, Marconi invented the radio. He knew what the fuck he was right. talking about. So it was, so all the shit kept popping up on an old-timey radio, right. and they're like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, and I guess they, during that same time period, this Russian theorist, Konstantin Siskovsky, deduced a mm. model of an intelligence existing independently of terrestrial influence, and the paper examined the possibility of identical radio signals in this time span possibly emanating from Tau Ceti, uh, which is right next to Zeta Reticuli. So maybe we're getting some of that shit. So it was Marconi, Tesla... And Todd. And Todd. <laughs> Those were the three that did it. Well, Todd was yeah. the one who brought Nicola Diacomanti and Todd. Todd. Hey, I'm Todd. Yeah, I'm so part of the fast. project. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know you guys wear muscle shirts, huh? Yeah. Yeah, my <laughs> wife's a real shirts. bitch, but you should see the fake tits that I bought her. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, on August 4th, 1969, this is what um, this woman, her name is Marjorie Fish. She was a school teacher, amateur astronomer. She got involved in the case in 1969. And unfortunately, the same year that Marjorie Fish got involved in this case was the same year that Barney Hill died from a cerebral hemorrhage. Okay. So Barney Hill died not too long after uh, the actual event, just about eight years. Oh, okay. So he died in 68 or uh, uh, 69. 69? He yeah, had yeah. been in poor health for like years. Yeah. Right. And the stress of this whole thing essentially killed him. It really did. Right, right. I mean, he he was after the post-hypnotic suggestion. They were definitely, after they had kind of gotten all this stuff out, they were definitely improved. Uh, it helped them. Whether is this whole thing happened or not, whether it's real or not, it does, the fact does remain that this post-hypnotic therapy did help the Hills. Right. It did help them get over their anxiety. It did help them get over their fears. Uh, and they were happy, healthy people afterwards. Right, uh, well, right, right. relatively happy, healthy people. Uh, Barney yeah. still was dealing with, you know, Betty talking about aliens constantly. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're as happy as an interracial uh, couple could be in the 60s. Yeah. It wasn't exactly the smoothest ride. They could be as happy as anybody else, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> I know. They should have been able to be as happy as everybody else, but aliens are abducting them, and the KKK wants them dead. That is true. Yeah. Uh, so this woman, Marjorie Fish, uh, she was the person that Betty Hill originally drew the star map with. Uh, she said, or, or she was the one that showed her the star map. She said during the post-hypnotic suggestion, she drew it, without actually paying attention to what she was drawing. It was, uh, what do you call it, um, auto... 
Automatic writing. Dr- yeah, automatic writing. Right, Yeah, right. so this is something that came completely uh, from her subconscious. Uh, she described the map as three-dimensional, as if looking through a window. The stars were tinted and glowed. The map material was flat and thin, uh, and there were no noticeable lenticular lines. Uh, it, sa- it sounds a lot like a reflective hologram. Uh, and hmm. she said that when she was looking at it, she was standing about three feet away from it. She said there were a lot of other stars on the map but she was only able to specifically recall the prominent ones that were connected by the lines in a small, distinctive triangle off to the left. There was no concentration of stars to indicate the Milky Way, suggesting that it represented uh, only that it represented reality. It probably only contained local stars with no real grid lines. Three of these stars in the, cl- in the clusters were unknown until 1969, and right. no astronomer knew of their position until 1963. And, of course, the Milky Way, that was also the name of the thing that the aliens did in order to ejaculate Barney. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah. What are you going to use? The Milky Glad Way. Sorry, why don't we yeah. give him the Milky Way cup? <laughs> oh, but it's just, we just got to jam that, oh, his huge genitalia into it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you got too much to handle the alien. <laughs> <laughs> so astronomers, uh, they put uh, this star map into a computer. The exact petition, or position was a double star system, Zeta Reticuli 1 and Zeta Reticuli 2, 220 trillion miles or 37 light years from Earth. Uh, and the computer du- duplicated with virtually no variation the map of Betty Hill. Unbelievable. It's pretty interesting. And there was no way that she could have known this. No. I mean, nobody knew this yet. Nobody knew it. Right. Yeah, yeah, nobody knew it at all. But, of course, you know, a big bummer man, Carl Sagan, he right. has to come in and debunk everything. He has to come in and shit on everything. Thanks, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> he argued that the seeming star map was little more than just a random alignment of chance points. That she just by chance drew a star mm-hmm. map that matched Zeta Reticuli one and two, and by chance just matched uh, this constellation out there. Uh, but in contrast, those more favorable to the map, such as David Saunders, a statistician who had been on the Condon UFO study, argued that unusual alignment of key sun-like stars in a plane centered around Zeta Reticuli mm-hmm. was statistically improbable to have happened by chance from a random group of stars in our immediate neighborhood. And astron- so Betty's fucking slamming home some truth. Yeah. She is. And astronomers, they're not like the ideal of, uh, the idea of uh, extraterrestrial life isn't totally crazy to them. I mean, from my perspective, most of the people who really study the, uh, you know, study the, uh, the war, uh, whatever, not the world. Yeah. The whole, the whole galaxy system, they, they, they tend to conclude that there has to be life uh, on other places. These days. Yeah. Like back then, you know, of course, of course the, the scientists, they have, to, you know, they have to go on cold, hard facts. And back then, there were no cold, hard facts to support the idea that there might be other stars out there that could support life on Earth. Did I they- mean, there's still no cold, hard facts that there's, there, that there's any sort of evidence of life outside of Earth. It just happens to be... It just seems like it, it's got to be. Well, no, there is the yeah. universe is so huge. Well, we we don't have a photo of Barney's rectum, right? No, okay. no, so no. That would really that's that, that's that's what we really want to get. We would yeah. know that we would know the truth if we could just look at him, wink at. 
Let's let's all send individual emails to Stanton Friedman asking for pictures of Barney Hill's asshole. <laughs> if we get it, we'll know what happened to him and we'll yeah. understand the truth. I mean, while we don't have hard evidence of there being actual life out there, we do have a lot more evidence than we have ever had that there are planets out there which could possibly uh, support some sort of life. Mm-hmm. It's just impossible that we can get to it. But they uh, say we have giant psychic worms on fucking Titus, man. Woo! <laughs> I want to go to fucking worm. Titus. I want to slap a fucking saddle on one of them and ride around like fucking Dune, man. Yeah, they might just eat you right away. <laughs> nah, but I'll be friends with them. Okay. So after the hypnotherapy sessions, uh, Dr. Simon, his official word was that... Uh, the UFO encounter, while yes, they did 100% believe that this is what happened to him, it was probably just a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Betty's okay. fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah. And there's other things that uh, also possibly point towards this being some sort of something that was in their subconscious because apparently two weeks before this entire incident, uh, Barney Hill had watched an episode of The Outer Limits. Right. Uh, in which there was an alien featured on that episode that looked a lot like what uh, they described the aliens as. Betty, I just got to ask you a question. Yeah, you got all these white people. White people seeing aliens. When is a black person going to see an alien? (laughs) One day, one day. Well, uh, the, the one thing we know for sure is that Barney was an unbelievable boyfriend. Yeah. Nice guy. Husband. Husband. Yeah. Good partner. He really was. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. by the time the hypnotherapy ended, Barney was 100% on board. Right. Uh, at first, he was very resistant, but he was 100% on board uh, after hearing the, especially after hearing what uh, her side of the story was. And he heard what his side of the story was, what her side of the story was. And without them collaborating whatsoever, they interlocked. Like right, they were right, right, like right. they were two pieces of a puzzle that he felt were finally put together, that it all finally made sense to him. Uh, and he completely and fully accepted that they had been abducted, never quite fully embraced it as much as Betty Hill did, because Betty right. Hill became one of the most prominent figures in the ufology scene. Right, like right, she right. was constant. She was. Uh, she went to conventions. Uh, she did interviews. I mean, that's also how she got that dick. <laughs> yeah, and she got a lot of it. I'm sure. God knows, it's, it's not, not easy to replace Barney. Her husband. I'm sure that at that point, I understand loss. It's it's hard to, when you're when you're newly single and you want to like get you want to get that dick. Yeah. And so sometimes what you got to do is fucking you know tell everybody about your alien stuff and somebody's gonna be like I'm sorry that that happened to you. What if I fucking what if I throw it to you, Betty? Mm-hmm. You old woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> A lot of Henry's dates lately have also had to ask him to get off of his stomach. Yeah. <laughs> no, no butt stuff today, Henry. You don't think I can't take it? <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> the serious of veggies I've laid out in front of me and <laughs> they would like to argue with you. <laughs> so, so uh, you, I mean, one of the, the big questions a lot of people are probably asking, if these people were so private, if they, try, if they really didn't want to talk about it that much, why do we know so much about it? Why, is, uh, why are there books written about it? Why was right. there a movie starring James Earl Jones oh. uh, released? Yes. It's because uh, in 1965, a Boston newspaper got a hold of the story and did a five-day spread on the Betty and Barney Hill story. They called it UFO Chiller. Did they seize couple? 
What do they what do they mean by they? <laughs> what do you mean you people? Hmm, interesting racism. <laughs> but apparently it was a uh, wildly inaccurate. Uh, and it was right. a bit of a smear campaign. Uh, so they that's where the story came from because that's when they started saying that he had genital warts yeah, and they right. were really smearing their relationship. They were going at them being interracial. It was it's really fucked up, of course. So they took over the news cycle. They were like, okay, well, if this is going to happen. We're not going to take over the story and basically went full into the interview that became the book, The Interrupted Journey. Right, 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 yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, right. So as the facts of the Hill case came to public knowledge after they came out, uh, after Simon released the tapes, after uh, they actually had made some public statements refuting this Boston story, um, two notable, respected professionals Uh-oh. investigated the story and made their conclusions. One was Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who at the time was professor of astronomy at Northwestern University and later to be an Air Force consultant on aerial phenomena. He eventually would create his own UFO studies. The other, of course, Stanton T. Friedman, who it must be said is a nuclear physicist. No, he's, and that's the problem. Yeah. It's like, that's a, that's what it is, is yeah. that that's what nuclear physicists are like. They're big, <laughs> fat, annoying. They wear dumb pants, have big, right. thick glasses. Um, they just have very important brains. Yes, they do. So there is a lot of people with uh, with high credentials that support the Barney and Betty Hill story. Absolutely, because yeah. Hynek was a, was a consultant to Project Blue Book, so he was a part of the a part of the actual system, the government system that was used to, to fucking investigate this whole thing, and he wrote right. a book called The UFO Experience. He says that they they did reveal something that seems to be really true in hypnosis. Right. Uh, and people, go, people all say that. They say that it's what it is. It's about hypnosis. Again, it's the question about objective truth, is yeah. that they believed that it happened. Yeah. So, right. th- and that's as far as you can say. Well, I mean, you can put that with the star map. You yeah. know, there, there's the star map, which is uh, the only, I guess you could say, the only hard it, evidence that we actually have. And the biggest problem with the star map is that it had Crispin Glover at the wrong house. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Always. I would like a refund of this bus tour. Um, I didn't um, actually so get yeah, to see. So this is this is the this is the big this is the abduction case that started it all. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, and really, I mean, the racial thing is very interesting. You know, the fact that this story got any traction whatsoever is uh, is fascinating. Yeah, it's a wonderful. It's a yeah. it's a great story. I'm glad we were able to cover this one, man. And let's just you know, kudos to Barney Hill. Like yeah. just crushing that white pussy. Jack Johnson <laughs> tried to do it, that famous boxer. He got ran out of town. Yeah, you no, know? but he's just, he was giving it the long slip. Yeah, Barney's the man. And it doesn't matter if your white girlfriend, future wife, ended up being a little crazy. You're still, like, sludging through that. And you know you got that STD from a random chick. <laughs> the one thing with um with Betty, though, is that she had some jowls. Yes. Yeah. Did. I mean. Yes, yeah, she did. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to not to discredit her because of her looks. No, no. no but no. those jowls make me hate her face and make <laughs> me not trust her. Right, 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 right. Well, it's all real. Barney and Betty Hill abducted by aliens. Uh, well, thanks everybody. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, go to if you don't subscribe, go to iTunes. Subscribe to the show. Really helps us out. Rate and review the show. That helps us out too. Follow us on Twitter at LP on the left. Uh, go to the Facebook group. Join that. We got over four thousand people there now. It's, yeah, it's yeah. A real we are, great we are community. Fucking cracking the whip on that Facebook group. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Crack. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, you know, be nice to each other and stuff like that and contribute uh, stories that are fun. I don't personally mind the gore, but, uh, you know, the the Facebook group does reflect on us. Yeah. Uh, You know, so, you know... Play to the play, play to the height of your intelligence. <laughs> yeah, people don't like the new people joining, but the new people joining are the reasons why it's it's successful. It's a reason why we're and you know right. we just love doing this this podcast. It's our favorite yeah. thing on the face of the planet. It's a lifeline for me. It's how I reach out. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and you're doing such a good job doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, if you I say. Uh, if you post a gore, then wait five more posts until you post another one. Post paranormal or uh, something about Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger. You know anything? Yeah, uh, and fun. you know what? You know the gore. You know some of the stuff is pretty cool. Someone posted like uh, a Ouija picture the other yeah, day, cool. which is really cool. I mean, that's got some historical context. But I don't want to see some dude who just got his head run over while he was on his motorcycle. That's not contributing anything. So like, put something out there that contributes something. You know, that might actually uh, spawn a conversation rather than just having. And someone go ew, but ew. Ew. yeah. And I just want to give a, I want to give a shout out to Mandy. What's up? Mandy's up. And I also want to give a shout out to Carmen, Amy, and Tim over in Australia who gave me quite a series of drunk messages. Um, but you guys are on the um, you guys are on the opposite of the planet. So you're sending me stuff, and I'm just waking up to it. That's great. Well, let's give <laughs> a shout so out. You know that. And let's give a shout out to Natalie Jean, who is actually in studio listening with us today. She's a uh, horror icon. Uh, find her. Uh, find some of her works. Yes. Yeah. And she's Ben's hostage right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very um, good. And, and, I, uh, and also, I'd also I'd also like to give a shout out to the mysterious benefactor who sent me a uh, Scientology book. But did not include a name or mm. a forwarding address. Was it Miscavige? Ooh, it might have been. Yeah, Bring but- it, Miscavige. <laughs> Where are you at, Miscavige? <laughs> yes. um, also, uh, Lord Andros, uh, talk to Crystal again. Okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> now you're just doing personal connections, That's Henry? That's what happened. You're, you're, what sort- you're turning into Delilah? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, love, is, uh, love lasts only when love is going to last. Perfect. And if you want to uh, really help us out, uh, go to cavecompanyradio.com slash lastpodcast on the left. You can uh, buy a last podcast on the left t-shirt there. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're $25 uh, for domestic, $40 international. Uh, And uh, you can add hell if you want to just throw us a buck or two. That really helps out a lot, too. We've had a bunch of people do that, and that stuff really adds up, uh, and it really helps us out. Uh, And uh, last thing, Heil Gein, everyone. Yeah, I'm going to give a hail yourselves. Thanks so much for supporting all the CCR shows that especially Marcus and I do together. Yeah. Hail Satan. Um, I am getting a grisp. A gri- getting a grisp. I'm gonna call. It, I'm gonna say grisp. A grisp <laughs> on on chaos magic. And so um, shit's about to go down. I don't yeah. know what's gonna go down, but shit's about to go down. It's yeah. gonna be big. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, since you're doing chaos magic, you can say grisp. You can do whatever you want. That's right, man. <laughs> I'm my own avatar, man. Henry, quick update: dating and life. How you doing? Things are fine. Things are good. Things yeah. are. Uh, Toronto is 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 it's Satan works in mysterious ways. Yeah. I got weed. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so Satan brought you a weed dealer. That's all that matters. Uh, let's do a magustalation. Magustalations, everyone. Hell me. Goodbye, fuckers. You're fuckers. Oh, leave them alone. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. 
Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25.